Welcome to Glio and Peaklies. We are here to feed you some of life's savory topics while still keeping it real, spicy, and juicy. Join us every other week to hear what we're serving. Welcome to Glio and Peaklies. This is your girl, Adina. This is your girl, Jane. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We back with another one. Uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus because, you know, the world, life. <laughs> but here we are. Um, this is a great episode. I know I say this all the time. I'm sorry. I'm a fan of what we got going on. Don't be a hater. Um, this is a great episode. Um, so we, you know, everybody has that friend, right? That is like the epitome of of millennialism whatever you want to call it but we're we're millennials but um our homegirl kim alexis is the epitome um so real brief story time kim always got a job like she and and let, let me start off saying that we are all of some type of Caribbean descent, so it's just in our blood to to have a work ethic. But she sets the bar like really hard when it comes for a job. And the reason why this is relevant to millennialism is because um, when they say millennials don't play, like if we're not feeling it, um, two weeks notice. <laughs> That's Kim. Like <laughs> Kim don't be playing. Kim, Kim, like, uh, uh-uh, um, you need to be paying me more. Uh, you need to be treating me better. Uh, these benefits is questionable, so I'm gonna be looking elsewhere. Yes, uh, and I will be doing it while I'm on your job in your work. <laughs> uh, I am going to be, uh, you know, making making things work for me because I'm I'm looking looking out for myself because I know you're not looking out for me. So, um, yeah, Kim, don't play. Now, don't get it twisted. My girl is A1 with the professionalism. Um, she's probably one of the most professional um, individuals that I know. Um, she is very uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Very, uh, she just know her stuff. Like if, if she's getting into it, you best believe that she done did the research. She knows her stuff. And so um, I had to tell that story because Jane and I were talking. We was like, what funny story are we going to tell? And Jane was like, it's Kim oh what other story could you tell other than the fact that Kim don't play by her job like one day we'll be calling hey Kim what's going on how how, how's it been you still work at girl I ain't worked during two months what (laughs) she gets a job you know how most people secure a bag Kim secures a job she gets a job and secures the bag um anything else you want to add to that Jane yeah I would I would definitely um co-sign on that I would say that Kim is one of the friends that I can think of offhand, firsthand, that will have multiple items going on, multiple jobs in a sense of not necessarily work, but she'll be full-time employee, full-time student, full-time traveling the world, full-time friend, daughter, and I... Yes, I would say that millennials, we're not built to have multiple jobs and multiple items going on at the same time, whereas Kim 
she is my one friend that is able to balance it all at one time and so yeah I co-sign on what you said B and so with that being said um I think this would be the perfect time for Kim to uh Tell us like what her credentials really are. Cause we just know that she got racks on racks on racks of credentials. <laughs> I mean, we know them, but it's best to come from the person who, you know, has actually done the schooling and the studying and, and the grind for it to tell what it is that they do and, and, and who they are. So without further ado, Kim, Alexis, please come through. Come on in the room. Hi everyone. My name is Kim. Uh, some things about me. So like, uh, my good friend Adina says, um, I am of Caribbean descent. I'm Haitian. Um, I'm very proud of our history. I'm very proud of our culture. Um, and I think that's one of the things that helps embody me in my drive. Um, as far as my credentials go, I work in finance. Um, it's actually a funny story. Um, Adina and I, we go back to being friends in high school. We were actually in the business magnet. And one of our things that we had was we had to do internships. And so I always knew that I, I had a certain career path, but um, my internship was at a bank and that's kind of how I got started into the finance and banking world. Um, so I've been on and off in the finance and banking world since the age of 17. Um, so I've done everything from working in insurance um, to banking, to working for financial regulators, to even working for investment banks. Um, so those are my credentials. Um, I do have formal schooling, so um, I have a bachelor's degree um, in political science and pre-law. Um, I have MBA in finance, and in three months, I will officially be a lawyer. So um, those are some things that make up my credentials, and also I am a real estate agent. Um, I know some of the things that people want to know is how did I get into real estate? Well, for me, real estate is a family business. And what I mean by that is my mom is a real estate agent. She's been a real estate agent for over 25 years. My dad is a real estate broker who's been a real estate broker for over 30 years. So for me, it's some sort of kind of what you would like to call it a family business. Um, believe it or not, I did not at first get into the family business. I only got into the family business maybe about three years ago and that was at the push of my dad. So those are some things that make um, me. Um, I always tell people that um, what I do for money is not me. My friends, Adina and Jane can attest to that. I love to laugh. I love um, wholehearted conversations. Um, I love things that make people people. I love empowering people. I love mentoring people. I love helping people realize their dreams. That's what makes me. This other stuff such as real estate, yes, that is a way that I do um, get a form of money, but that's not who I am. What I am, I define what I am as far as who I am, um, not how I make my money. But I'm excited to talk to you guys today about real estate and what are some things that we can do to basically know more about it and um, also segue into if you want to do an invest investing or if you also want to be a real estate agent yourself. Okay, so with that being said, like I said, she knows her stuff because um, she had me a little worried because I thought she was going to start interviewing herself. <laughs> but that was a great introduction. Um, like I said, knows her stuff, been knowing each other since high school. Um, I think Jane has known Kim for about um, maybe two, two years less than we've known each other. 
so you know we're fam we're family we're we're not, we're not just friends we're sisters um I'm sorry. I, I love y'all so much. But I'm gonna have to add this in. Y'all did all go to the same high school, but Kim and I go way back to when they were in middle school because our moms know each other. So the Haitian community in Palm Beach County is large, but also they will find one another, especially mm -hmm. through church. Haitian churches love to, you know, get together. And so I didn't know Kim as close as I know her now um but i did know her ever since middle school when my sister and her were going to apply for the same magnet school back then well my bz i learned something new today um and that just goes to show that you can be friends with people for years and still not know all the backstories <laughs> so with that being said <laughs> I, you guys knew each other from church though but i didn't know how far back it went so jane has actually known kim longer than i've known kim but you know what? I digress because the world is very small because Kim's dad knows my stepfather or bonus dad, I prefer to call him. Um, they knew each other because they sold cars and did all the real estate. And I didn't even know Kim, but my, our dads knew each other. And then now our, our brothers know each other because uh, Kim's brother, baby brother, and my younger uh, stepbrother, they've been going to school and been friends since college, high school, and they all hang out. And it's just like the sixth world is no longer six degrees of separation. It's like two, two, two degrees now. So we're connected. Um, and so I no longer digress. With that being said, um, Kim kind of went into why um, she is the guest uh, for the um, episode three we are going to be talking about real estate. Um, this, is, this topic is very um, near and dear to all of us because we all um, have experience either as home buyers or um, just having an interest in wanting to learn about ways to make passive income through real estate. Um, I personally, my dad and um, Kim's dad, like I said, they know each other through that those endeavors and my dad wants me to get involved in and I'm like nah, I don't really want to do it but okay so that's my personal you know interest with real estate is just it's just another credential another thing to add to the resume and so uh we're gonna kick it off um so Kim when it comes to real estate like where does the average layperson Joe Schmo off the street start like where do you start so for most people um i would say like that would consider themselves like a first time home buyer um you have to kind of like sit back and reflect um i like to call it self-awareness um as to where you are um and the first step for me in the self-awareness is to look at yourself and think to yourself are you ready to commit to something like buying a house um, and most of us don't have two, $300,000 sitting down, laying down to buy the house. So other question you wanna ask yourself is, are you ready to commit to a loan? Are you ready to commit to a 15 year loan? Are you ready to commit to like a 30 year loan um, to purchase your house? Um, so those, that's the first step that you need to think of when you're looking to buy a house. And for you, if you think that you're ready for that commitment, um, the next step that I would say is to go ahead 
and um, maintain your credit. Because of course, when you are going to look for this said loan, because you know, we already said that you established that you're gonna make that commitment to the loan, your lender is going to look at your credit. So during this time, you wanna make sure that one, you're paying things on time, you're not opening any new lines of credit, um, and also to make sure that you don't have any derogatory things on your credit. And if you do, see if there's a way that you can contact um, that creditor to see if you can work something out. Because of course, you know that credit and of course lending go hand in hand. That's how lenders know that they can trust you and that they can um, also have this money and know they can lend this money to you in good faith. Quick question, not to interrupt you, Kim, but um, you know, <laughs> I'm goofy, so I'm always cracking jokes. But on a serious note, some people don't know the jargon that you're putting down. You know, they like derogatory. What are some of these things that would be considered derogatory when it comes to, to credit? So we could say things like unpaid bills. So like anything that's in collections, um, medical bills, um, student loans, things of that nature. Anytime you have a bill that you don't pay, that equals derogatory. So for anything that is unpaid or unpaid status, or let's say you did start paying them, but you haven't paid them in months, you need to check with the creditor to make sure that they have not put your account in a derogatory status. Thank you for that clarification. I knew what it meant, but I know somebody's going to hear this and be like, derogatory, what? What does that mean? So wanted to clarify. Um, so I love the fact that you started off with not even trying to be an investor, not even trying to sell a real estate, but it ultimately does boil down to you always start in real estate with your own personal residence. So, um, you know, you do have to choose. Are you going to rent forever? Are you going to, you know, be a home buyer? What, what's so that is perfect. You start there. Okay. So once we decide those things, um, are there any like classes you can take to, you know, be more informed about your decision-making process? Because I know when I purchased my home, I had to take the home, the home buyer's course. Um, and I know it was kind of mandatory for me to get pre-approved for my loan. If I didn't take that class, I wasn't going to get pre-approved for the loan. Are there any other classes that um, individuals can sign up or take to help um, better inform their decision-making on whether they should rent or purchase a home? So what I would say is before we even get to that point, for me, I like to always look at things as either a flow chart or linear. Um, and what I mean by that is, okay, make sure first you're ready to commit to the loan. Second of all, we want to maintain your credit. Third of all, stay for a down payment for the house. I don't think anybody should be taking classes until you have some money saved. So I think saving for a down payment is definitely um, something that is important. So for me, I would think that would be step three. Um, my fourth step is, is once you get to what you would say is the pre-qualification and pre-approval. I know a lot of people are probably thinking, what's a pre-qualification? What's a pre-approval? So pre-qualification is basically an estimate of how much house you can buy. So what I mean by that is maybe you can buy a house for 200,000. Maybe you can only buy a house for 150,000. That's what a pre-qualification is. A pre-approval actually is a mortgage pre-approval document that shows the lender how much money, loan money that you can actually get. And then at that time, they're getting that information, gathering that information from your W-2, of course, your bank statements and like your tax return and also your credit score. Um, depending on your lender, some lenders ask for first-time home buyers to go and take classes. So not every buyer 
is going to have to take those first time home buyer classes. I think they are helpful for people to take them, um, but that's a choice that you have of whether or not you want to take it. Um, some of them are um, also mandatory. Um, it's more than one class. They might have a first segment, they might have a second segment. Um, so to answer your question, sometimes they are mandatory and sometimes they're not. Uh, what I recommend it, I think that we live in a world that's an information era. I don't think too much information is um, a bad thing. And if you do have some questions, I would actually say to reach out to your lender. And the reason I say that is every lender has their um, re requirements and what they require for you to be able to get that, that loan. Okay. Um, so, yeah. The whole time you were talking, I was just sitting here thinking like, you know, you you really have to like be in a good head space. Because when I was buying my home, I got all of these people, you know, in my back pocket and did not reach out to them one of them. <laughs> so I, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I will I will hype up and um I will give credit where credit is due all day, but I don't know what I was going through when I bought my home because I did not, I did not reach out to my friend. Um, and that's so disrespectful. So I apologize. I really do apologize. I don't know. I don't know. It was a struggle for no reason um, because I, I literally had my friend. Hey, so I'm going to kind of go back to one of the statements that Kim said, and I have a question because I know that um, you mentioned, you know, definitely the first step is to save your money for a down payment. But I will say that um, when driving around new communities, sometimes uh, there are signs that say zero down payment as far as new construction goes, and that could potentially entice someone who may have thought, oh, wait a minute, I'm not ready to buy a home because I need to get my money up, but then they see signs that say zero down. What are the disadvantages or advantages um, of those programs that are out there uh, for first-time home buyers or home buyers at all? Can you expound on the whole zero down payment incentives that uh, new construction- yes, I can't expound on that because I'm not a lender. I don't do mortgages, I don't do underwriting. underwriting. And for me, I'm a type of person, um, Dee will tell you, I just like to stay in my lane. Um, I don't do, I can't tell you what the advantages and disadvantages of those are because I don't I do not do underwriting, underwriting and I don't do mortgages. That's actually a question that you would probably wanna ask a mortgage broker um, or ask your lender if they could tell you more um, about that because a lot of times, all I can tell you is anytime you should just, be working in finance, anytime I see something with zero down, I always ask myself, these people are giving you something for nothing. What is it that they are giving and how are they going to recoup for you getting nothing from you initially? So whether it's paying for something on the back end, whether they're tacking it onto the loan, that's kind of like how I like to look at it. It's the same thing. Think of it as when you go buy a car and you don't put any money down on a car. Um, you know, you could think of it as maybe, oh, they're going to make my term longer. But, you know, I can't explicitly answer that question because it's not my um, my lane. But I would say anybody that does see that and have the questions to reach out to um, the lenders or the, the contact information on those type of flyers or those type of posters. So um, to expound on, you know, things you would need for first time home buyers. Um, I would say also to understand what your um, 
once you get the approval, understand what like your loan options are. Ask your lender what your loan options are. Are you qualified for a VA loan? Are you qualified for a FHA loan? What are some loans that you're qualified for? Um, and understand the differences and what would work best in your um, in your situation. Um, and with that, you not only want to save for a down payment, but you also want to anticipate if you're going to have any kind of closing costs. Closing costs will include anything like any attorney's fees, any um, escrow fees, any title insurance. Um, those are things which you would call um, closing costs that you would also want to factor into once you're looking for a home that you might not pay right away, but you you know, once you're towards the end of that search and you find your house, you go to close on it, that those are some things that you're going to have to put into your mind that you're going to probably have to pay for. Wow. Um, yeah. Once again, I'm just like slapping myself in the forehead. Like I should have had a V8 because um, <laughs> I'm just listening to this like, man, my process would have went so much easier had I just called my friend. <laughs> but, you know, some people just like to struggle. And I think I'm one of those people because didn't even cross my mind knew she had all of this knowledge all of this stuff and and still chose to be about that life of struggle so um (laughs) with that being said so we just a quick kind of rundown because this like I said to the layperson this is you know can be very daunting um and it can cause a lot of stress so we've touched on literally layperson off the street trying to figure out, do I want to continue to rent, buy home? Boom. Touched on that. Then we talked about where do we begin? Um, and like you said, you, you need to know what's in your bag. You can't just be buying a house. You need to know how much house can you buy? Like how, what can you afford? Stay in your lane. Because, um, you know, yes, mortgages are cheaper than rent. But when you got to go into, is it going to be a, a new home, an older mm-hmm. home? You know, am I going to have money to repair and the down payments and everything like you said? So basically, you know, know your lane. What what are you, what can you afford? You know, are you going to get a townhome? Are you going to get a house? You know, um, and can you go into that, uh, Kim, like, how people can decide, um, you know, what type of house, you know, should they go with older? Because older does tend to be a little bit cheaper up front, but then you're going to have to invest money. We have to fix it and do upgrades and all of that stuff. But then you have your newer homes where it's going to be a lot more money up front, but you don't have to deal with like replacing the AC or all of this other stuff. And then you got HOAs, taxes, that kind of stuff. So um, real estate is mostly by location. Um, big cities have their costs. Smaller cities have their costs. Rural cities have their costs. Um, I think when you're looking for a house, it really boils down to listing what your needs are and what are your list, uh, your, your list of non-negotiables and what are your list of nice to have and what are your list of um, I guess you would say in the middle. That right there kind of basically helps you narrow down what kind of house you need. Of course, someone that's single may not need like a single family home. Uh, someone that has three or four kids may not be able to live in a condo, may not be able to live in a townhouse. So it really all depends on what your needs are. You kind of have to list your needs. Um, and also too, because 
real estate does sell by location. Some people, they may need a bigger space, but if they live in a big city, um, their money may not be able to stretch. So it really all goes down to knowing what your needs are, knowing your location, knowing what's available for how much you qualify for. Um, and then your list of negotiables and like um, non-negotiables. And in that respect, I think when you work with a real estate agent, they can help you hone your list of needs, help you hone your non-negotiables and your nice-to-haves, and then help you kind of figure out, you know, what type of property would be good for you, whether a condo, a townhome, or a single family home. Okay, so that, that gives me a lot of perspective. All right, Kim, thank you so much for the information about just how to start the home buying process or get into real estate um, from a home buyer perspective. But I know that Adina and I would love to learn more about um, how to use real estate to invest. And so I'm sure our listeners uh, would love to hear about that too. Sure. So when you think about the process, the process is almost the same as buying um, your primary residence um, has a first time home buyer. All the things that I listed before are things that you definitely want to think about. Um, some things that are different is um, for this purchase, you just have to ask yourself, is it something that you want to use solely with cash or is it something that you're going to use cash to down payment and then um, take out a loan for? Um, the process is still the same as far as residential and commercial. Um, of course, there's some other technical difficulties, like of course, the type of contracts, um, what your lender might ask you is also different. My advice is to someone that is looking to go that route is to find a lender and then ask them what are their uh, requirements for someone that is um, going into um, investment. And for their requirements, it would be depending on whether you were looking into a residential property or a commercial property. But I think the best thing to do is to um, speak to a realtor and then also speak to a lender and they can kind of basically guide you on their requirements and what they're looking for as far as purchasing um, investment properties. So real quick, just for once again, layperson, can you go into briefly, and I don't want to rush you, but I say briefly, um, because residential and commercial what are the difference between the two? I know it sounds like it's common knowledge, but in re reality, it's not. Of course, one you live in and one's for like, you know, business purposes, but there are some other distinct differences. Can you tell me um, what the differences are for those? So, of course, residential is one that you live in. That's your primary residence. Um, and investment, um, it, and actually, it's two residential could be also a secondary, a second home. Um, commercial is something that is used for something other than living in. So it could be for business, it could be used as a warehouse, um, it could be used as a, um, as a factory, um, but these are things that are used for something other than living in. And um, residential, of course, that you live in. So that's basically the difference between the residential and what the commercial are. Well, thank you, ma'am. Well explained. So, um, to segue, um, I don't know about anybody else, but this is probably the, the moment I've been really uh, waiting for. Um, let's say you got it, you secured your home, you know, you already know 
about all of that stuff, investing in all that good job, but now you want to become a real estate agent. So can you please explain like the licensure process, you know, how to go about uh, preparing to to get acquire your your license as a real estate agent? Sure. So real estate is a state issue. And what I mean by that is it's not something that's federal. It's driven by rules and laws of the state that you're in. So one of the first things you want to do is look up um, what are some state laws for where you live or where you're looking to be uh, licensed in. Um, the first things first is you want to get what they call pre-licensing education. You can go and do online classes um, or you can go in person and take classes and you can also do online classes asynchronous. Um, you're probably asking yourself, what is asynchronous? Asynchronous means self-driven um, and self-paced. Of course, you'll have a, a portion of time, maybe a year, maybe nine months to complete that, but you have that, that pre-licensing education that you need to get. You take your, your class exam, once you pass that, you take the state exam, and then you will be um, a licensed real estate agent. From there, you wanna find a company to basically um, work with, you'll find a real estate broker to work with them. Um, as far as prepping for the state exam, you can basically use the materials that are given to from your class. Um, look for a mentor. Um, I know I said in the beginning of this um, episode that I learned real estate through my parents, so they by default were my mentors. Um, but ask anybody that you know that works in the industry, um, if they know somebody or if you don't know anybody, um, there's plenty of resources that you can find. Your school that you go to to take classes can probably also help you with um, getting a, a, a connection with somebody that has experience within the real estate field to help you build um, your career throughout um, the first two years, which are important. Um, and I say that because um, usually a year after your license, you have to do continuing education courses. Um, so the first two years are really crucial. Find someone that can help you um, navigate the system, learn the vocabulary, um, learn how to um, make the deals, learn how to satisfy your customers. And also you're going to learn that stuff in class too, but um, I think that real estate is something that only needs to learn a theory, but you also need the hands-on experience. Like we used to say in the uh, poetry world, rewind. <laughs> uh, can you repeat that last uh, sentence? Because I felt like that was just crucial. Real estate is not only theory-based, but you also need hands-on experience. So the theory and the practicality go hand in hand. You need to know the theory, you need to know the laws, you need to know the abbreviation, but all of that means nothing if you don't have the hands-on experience. Well said, well said. Um, yeah, I don't really have um, any more questions in regards to the licensure process because it's, it's really just, you know, basically like going to school. Um, is there anything that you can think of Jane, in regards to, um, I know, I'm not sure if that's something that you're interested in down the road, getting a license or, you know, being familiar with the licensure process, but is there something that you would like to know more about? Um, I would say not necessarily towards the licensure. I'm just thinking about our current um, state that we are in right now. Uh, as far as real estate, the real estate industry, I know many individuals um, who aspire to 
either buy a home, they are finding that it's extremely difficult because the market right now in a lot of states are, it's booming and it's very challenging for individuals to go into that um, home buying process. But my question would be for um, those who would want to go into real estate, what would be challenges that currently realtors or real estate agents could potentially face as it relates to the market? So real estate, the industry itself, we have fewer than 6% people that are black. So I think some of the barriers is, of course, um, what we would say is there's not many of us that's in it. Um, and also to, because there's not many of us in it, it's hard for us to maybe find people that are willing to work with us um, or maybe within a situation you go into maybe go into a showing and someone will think that you're um, you're there for reasons other than professional reasons other than to show a client a house or rather to go through a walkthrough before closing. I think a lot of it is the fact that um, we need to build awareness and the only way that we can build awareness a lot of times is to just penetrate that system. And although, of course, it's not really easy because there's a lot of gatekeeping things, such as one of the things that you have to do to get a license is money. Um, a lot of people, the barrier is not that they can't learn, not that they can't do it. It's the fact that they don't have money. They don't have the money it costs to take the class. Um, they don't have the money to buy the materials. Also, sometimes they don't have the money or the time, which goes hand in hand into studying and learning the subject. And then also, too, you have to pass the exam. So if you can't pass the exam, you can't get the license. And every time you take the license, I mean, the exam, you have to pay to take the test. So there's all these different gatekeeping and different steps that you have to go through that, you know, a lot of times if you don't have a lot of money, um, that will stop you from getting to that process. So it makes sense as to why sometimes there's not a lot of people that are within this um, industry. And also too, like you said, there's not a lot of, because like there are the, these barriers. Some people may think maybe this is not an industry that I'm supposed to be in. And maybe this industry doesn't want people that look like me in this industry. So um, those are some things that I can think of, like you said, um, that would kind of push people back or make people hesitant to get into it. Yeah, and so I definitely can understand that um, me being in the process of, I can say this, I was blessed and fortunate. Me being a veteran, um, I had certain benefits um, provided to me where I, a lot of my fees were waived um, I still have to pay for the class, which is ridiculous expensive. And there are just so many options for choosing like which class. And it's like, how do you choose a class? And like you said earlier, it's based on your learning style. Me, you know, with all the stuff I got going on in my life, I know I need to be in person so I can focus. Because if I do it at home, I'm going to be hella distracted. So being in person, that means you're going to, you know, definitely probably pay a little bit more money because you're paying for the instructor's time, you're paying for a seat, you know, so I think my class is now like maybe almost $400 for a three-day class, um, and then, yes, the books and stuff are included, but if I need extra study materials, they charge you extra for that, they're texting just for all of these different things, so yeah, um, 
definitely not something that I thought about just because of my own privileges, but you are definitely right. Um, Can I interject in that? And I also wanted to say is people um, that don't have a license, mm -hmm. um, they don't think about these things. And I'm saying that I have someone that has two licenses and about to get a third uh, once I become barred is that when you're dealing with people's livelihoods, you're dealing with people's lives, um, there's a certain standard that you're held up against. And what I mean by that is you're constantly in a learning mode because you deal with people's lives and you deal with people's livelihoods. Um, laws and regulations change. So I don't want people to think that it's one and done once you get your, your license because you still have to do continuing education courses and you have to pay for that also. So keep in mind, if you're not willing to put in the work after licensing, and to learn the new rules and regulations, learn everything else, you know, maybe this isn't for you. Not to say that um, to distract you, but I like to give people the honest truth. So that I like to get people to, to know what they're up against before they get into it. Because people be like, well, if I knew that I had to keep getting continuing education, I wouldn't have taken this license. But it's also to show you that there's always going to be something that you have to end up paying for. So, and also to to mention about getting licensing, you have to, a lot of times, sometimes some brokers will um, ask you to pay a fee to, to work with them. So it is, that's why you can see that there's fewer than 6% because it's always something that you have to always have to pay towards um, keeping and maintaining. So I want people to keep that in mind also when it comes to having the real estate license. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I would say that you know, as individuals who are seeking to work with um, real estate agents, realtors, um, I don't have as of right now uh, an ambition to become a realtor. I'm not saying, you know, it's completely off the books, but I'm speaking from just a, a regular home buyer or person who's interested in working with an agent because there is less opportunity for people of color, black people um, and people of color and black people to not have the um, same opportunities, what would be your you know, recommendation to um, those who are wanting to work with an agent to um, how would they proceed so that they do you know, find someone who is a person of color or a black person um, to work with if they don't have like a recommendation from a friend or family member? So um, I think one of the things that you can do is you can probably go onto websites like realtor.com, um, put in um, your zip code. And then from there, you can kind of look up um, people. I know their pictures are on their websites are on there. You can look at what their credentials are, how many houses they've sold, how many houses they've listed, um, and kind of go from there and do a vetting process. I do want to mention that once you start working with a uh, real estate agent, even a broker, make sure you always vet people. Um, even if you get referrals, always make sure you vet people and make sure that um, the person will work for you because that's, that's what they are supposed to do. They're your fiduciary agent. They owe you that. They represent you make sure that they're working for your interests and they're not only working for commission, right? We're in this business to make money, but I believe in people first. That's, that's, that's just kind of my, um, my um, thought process and my motto, but uh, definitely go and look at realtor.com and put in your information in there and then it'll give you all the information and you can go ahead and just pick from there and vet. Um, also too, I think at the end, I'll drop my info if anybody 
um, has any questions about vetting somebody or um, needing anything real estate, I'll be definitely happy to help you. Awesome. So yeah. I, I just want to say, like, you know, we really appreciate because I know that one of your passions is, you know, giving back and empowering others through education. So we really appreciate you um, taking the time, you know, to answer all these questions. And um, I hope we were able to raise some awareness to um, our listeners, not just about real estate overall, but also a little bit of the the Black experience or the uh, person of color experience, because those are, those are the things that you don't think about when you're, you're buying um, a property or you're investing in a property as a someone who's not a person of color you know you don't you're not thinking about oh is somebody gonna mistake me for you know a criminal (laughs) like I'm trying to break into the property or 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 are they gonna look at me as a buyer you don't have to think about those things um we have to be careful we have to walk on eggshells in in every avenue of our lives even when it comes to buying you know a roof over our heads and providing for our families um, you know, I can't just walk on some private body's property, even if I am with my real estate a- agent. And yes, when I bought my home, my real estate agent it was African American. You know, he's a friend of mine. Uh, we worked together. He got out and got out of the business that we worked in and, and moved to um, real estate, he and his wife. And so he and I were always conscious about, you know, the, the areas that we were walking in and the times of day that we went. Um, we made sure we weren't there late at night. It would definitely be, you know, daylight because we didn't want people mistaking us for, you know, people trying to break into the place or steal something. So, um, you know, that gives a, us a lot to, to consider. So vetting your, your realtor, you know, just being smart about, you know, other things. It's not just a home buying process. It's not just a in an investment. Um, you need to know you know, your surroundings and everything that's going on. So thank you. And I want to add to that. Um, I know because some people probably think, well, if I'm getting a referral, why do I have to vet this person? Um, Home buying is a very big decision. And that's why I said one of the first steps to home buying is make sure that you can commit to that process. Make sure you can commit to the loan is because, um, when you're buying cars, you normally don't buy the first car that you see, right? You go to multiple dealerships. So why wouldn't you vet somebody that's helping you buy a house that you plan on to live, you know, four years or maybe have for four years? Make sure you vet that person to make sure that that person is on your the same team because you guys are essentially working for you, especially when you're a buyer. Your agent is there to advocate for you. They're an advocate. Make sure that you and that agent are on the same team. And if you get to a point in process to start working with the one, and you guys are not seeing eye to eye, maybe you need to reevaluate. Maybe you need to um, go out and go look for somebody else. But always make sure you and that agent are on the same team. You guys are working for the same purpose, which is to purchase your property. Wow, thank you. I mean, I will speak for myself. I That's something that I wish I had um, learned in my own home buying process as um, a person buying a home by themselves. So thank you because you know, you think you're buying a house, you're wanting to stick with an agent, not wanting to um, deviate from the process because it's already so overwhelming. But yeah, definitely don't rush yourself. Always use, you know, your own instinct. You know, if you feel like, hey, this person's not vibing well, um, despite of you being on a certain schedule, hey, pause. And it's okay to let that person go. 
Um, and I would say that, you know, most people who are person of color or black person, they may want to work with somebody who is um, of the same ethnic background. Um, but sometimes, you know, you may not completely rule, don't completely rule out those who aren't a person of color. Um, but we do know that we have our own plights as individuals who are not, you know, white to consider when we're buying homes. So thank you so much for um, sharing that with us. You've given us a wealth of knowledge, Kim. I mean, this conversation could go on and on and on, especially since, you know, we are entering the season of our lives where, you know, we're wanting to make the next step um, in our personal and professional careers as far as making more money. And so we, we've always heard that real estate is where it's at. If you want to make money, um, invest, uh, in real estate because it's always going to be, you're always going to need land. You're always going to need a home. Um, and so is there anything else that you would want to share with our listeners um, before we end this? Because like I said, we could go on and on and on. Um, please do share what you would like to let them know. I don't have anything else. The only thing I would add is um, I'm going to give my information. Um, and I believe that the host will also expound on where to find that information, but um, I can be contacted at 561-351-8604. Um, once again, it's 561-351-8604. Um, for anybody that has any real estate questions, um, if you are looking uh, for a house, and I want to put out the caveat that I am licensed in Florida, um, so if you are looking for something in another state, I can help you, but it won't be in um, the first capacity. It'll be more so on a referral basis, but I'll be happy to have, um, help you and answer any questions that um, you guys may have. Um, I'm here to um, help and serve and um, empower, and I want to thank the host for having me today. Thank you, man. Once again, this is a very um, enlightening episode. Um, we really do appreciate you and thank you to our listeners. Um, so we're, we're going to uh, close this one out. Peace out. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We are on IG. Um, please, please, please check out the IG page. It will be in the show notes. Cleo and Cleo. Um, is our handle and that's where Kim's information will also be available for you to um, get her contact in case you weren't able to catch it while she stated it. Follow us on IG. We are now available on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Please subscribe so you don't miss out when new episodes are available. You can also leave us a voice message when listening on the Anchor app. Join us every other week to hear what we're serving. Thank you for listening.